that uh, intro music works better than coffee. So that's good. I hope you're awake now because I sure am. But well, good morning. My name is Pastor Justin Domino, one of the pastors here on staff. And this morning we are starting a brand new series called Fight. And we're doing this along with our 21 days of prayer and fasting, often called the Daniel Fast as well. And if you came here today and you're completely shocked that we're doing a fast, you don't have to start today, (laughs) which we are going to do. But you can ease your way into it because it is brutal. I gave up coffee a week ago, and I kind of weed my way off. So today I'm ready. But if you're not ready, that's totally okay. But the reason why we are doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting is because we believe that we are not only just physical, material beings, but we are spiritual people. God created us to be connected to him in a spiritual and theological way. And so when we pray and we fast, it's an opportunity for us to recognize that, hey, we're not just animals. We're not just physical beings on this earth. We are truly spiritual people. And this is how we connect to our God. A couple of weeks ago, or actually about six weeks ago, I was grilling out on my smoker a, a nice, big, juicy steak, and I'm listening to a sermon at the same time, this pastor out in New York City, and he's talking about how his church had just gone through 21 days of prayer and fasting, and how they, see, they saw God move in miraculous ways, people were healed, sin struggles were overcome, amazing things happen, and I'm sitting there listening to this guy talking about prayer and fasting as I have this huge steak full of butter. I cut it open. It's pink from top to bottom. It's perfect. Got a nice crust from the sear. Hope you're not getting too hungry, but I'm thinking as I'm listening to the sermon, when was the last time I denied myself of anything? I mean, let's be honest. We live in America. This is the land of abundance, and that's a beautiful thing. If we want coffee, we can go to Caribou, Starbucks. There's a coffee shop on every corner. If we want Doritos, we can just drive to Walmart, get a bag of Doritos. I had a whole bag of Doritos just a couple of days ago, just in like one sitting. It's disgusting, I know, but this is America. This is what we do. And so when we talk about fasting, and what I mean, what I mean by fasting is abstaining from food. And not totally, right? We eat fruits and veggies and we drink water, but we're talking about abstaining from food. Oftentimes, as Americans who live in this land of abundance, we think, why in the world would anybody want to fast? Like, look at what we have at our disposal. But here's the reason why we fast. The reason why we fast is to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Again, we are recognizing that we are not just physical beings, but we are spiritual people. And this is our way of connecting with God. And what I love about fasting is it's an opportunity for us to kind of throw our hands up and say, God, the things of this world cannot fill me like you can fill me. Sure, I can eat as much steak as I want. I can drink coffee till I can't stop shaking. But the things of this world are not going to bring me peace. What's going to bring me peace is your presence and it's your peace and it's your love and your grace in my life. That's what fasting is all about. And in those times where we get really hungry and really thirsty, we replace that time of eating with times of intense prayer. Because that's our moment where we are with God, starving our flesh, but feeding our spirit. And I want to give a disclaimer to this fast as well. If you have ever struggled with an eating disorder, or maybe you have some health condition right now, maybe you're pregnant. My wife is pregnant. Woohoo! So we're expecting in April. She's not going to be doing this fast in the way that many of us are going to be doing it. So Between you and God, decide what you can fast from if it's not going to be food, if it's going to be social media or Netflix or paying your bills, whatever you want to do. But you can make that decision yourself. But with all that said, we're going to jump into week one of our fight series, and we're going to talk about the devil. And that might sound a little bit scary, but let's go to John chapter 8. If you have your Bible, go ahead. John chapter 8, 42 through 47. If you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen. 
as well. But it says this, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, the, the hypocritical re- religious leaders of the day. And he said this, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, these are some pretty bold and blunt words that Jesus has for these religious leaders. Now, if you know who the Pharisees are, they're the hypocrites. They're the ones that they look very holy on the outside. In fact, they go in the streets to pray. That's when they pray. They go out in the streets. Why? So that people can see them. But on the inside, they don't really have any love for God and they don't see Jesus as the son of God. They don't see him as the Messiah. And so they're coming at Jesus and they're, they're insulting him saying, hey, because you were born of the Virgin Mary, because you were conceived by the Holy Spirit, you're an illegitimate son. You don't have a dad. And that sounds like just an insult. It sounds like just a dig at who Jesus is. But it actually, it goes against the entire Old Testament law. If somebody is born out of wedlock, that is a really big deal according to Jewish law. And so what they're saying is that not only is Jesus this illegitimate son born out of wedlock, he cannot be the Messiah. And we know that through the scriptures that Jesus is the true Messiah, but this is what the Pharisees are trying to say. But here's what Jesus responds to them by saying. He's saying, you are of, the, of your father, the devil. And notice how Jesus describes who the devil is. He is the father of all lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. And so I want to get one thing clear as we talk about the devil today, as we talk about spiritual warfare, is oftentimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, we get in our minds like this picture of cabinet doors flying open by themselves. And we get in these minds like the lights flickering and weird things happening, paranormal activity, essentially. And don't get me wrong, I believe that this stuff can happen and does happen. If you talk to Christians who are in Haiti or in Africa, there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on with voodoo and witch doctors, a lot of things happening. But here in America, many of us, we don't really experience that. Usually when we do, we just go check our breaker box and we tripped a breaker, right? But I want us to hear how Jesus describes the devil. He is the father of all lies. He is the one that comes at us with deceitful ideas, You know, oftentimes when we think of warfare, when we think of warfare on earth, we think of like M16s and predator drones and and bombing people and going across with real guns and, and people dying. But what does a country do who has more power than anybody else? I'm thinking of America. You know, we have one of the largest militaries in the world, maybe the largest, probably the largest military budget in the entire world. More planes, more submarines, more, more anything than anything, than any other country. And yet, what country has a lot of unrest right now? A lot of rioting in the streets, a lot of people hating each other. It's us. Why is that? Because warfare is actually changing. No longer is it just submarines and planes and guns. 
but there's actually a war of ideas that's playing in this world right now. And I believe that this is exactly how the devil works. You know, oftentimes we hear, whether we're watching Fox News or CNN, we often hear the term fake news. Fake news is ideas that get people to believe the wrong things, and then they act out of those beliefs, and then chaos happens. And I believe that this is actually how the devil works, because this is how Jesus is describing the devil. We hear, we hear Jesus say, he's a liar and the father of all lies. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. We hear later on in the New Testament that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and he uses deceitful ideas. And so I want us to have a new perspective of how Satan actually works in our world, that it's not just cupboard doors closing on their own, but it's actually deceitful ideas that play into our heads and it changes the way that we live. It's lies that we believe about ourselves, about the world, about who God is. And if we can get, if Satan can get us to believe these lies, it actually changes the way that we live. And we see this if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verses one through five, in the garden of Eden, here's what happens with Adam and Eve. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And here's Satan's response. You will certainly not die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did Satan come after Adam and Eve with a physical assault? Did he come at them and make them angry at each other? No, he gave them a deceitful idea that God didn't actually say what God actually said. He twists and he bends the truth. This is our first introduction of who the devil is, and he is a liar and the father of all lies. And we see this playing out all over in our world, throughout our history, especially here in America. You know, before 1960s, when we saw the sexual revolution in our country, which that was before my time, so I'm just speaking from a history book right now. Um, But before that, you know, America was by no means perfect, like this holy place where nobody was perverted at all. I mean, we just didn't have it in our media. There was no pornography, or there's minimal pornography in our media, in our books, anything like that. It just wasn't really a thing. We were very conservative when it came to our sexual ethics. And then the 1960s come around, and Woodstock happens, and I think we're still dealing with the fallout from that today. In fact, there's a study done, you know, the sexual revolution is all about gender and sexuality, but there's a study done in August of 2020 regarding people who have made the decision to, to get gender reassignment surgery. There's a, there's a lot of people who claim to be transgender, and some people go through with a surgery that completely changes their gender. They try to, and some people don't. They choose to live a different lifestyle. But here's what I want to highlight here. In August of 2020, this study was done that those who received this surgery to change their gender were astronomically higher. Their rates were higher to be treated for anxiety and depression disorders. And so we have this idea from the sexual revolution of create your own gender, create your own sexuality, do what you want to do, be free. But actually we're seeing that it's, it's painful. And people are living out lies that they're being fed from the world and fed from the devil. And it pains me to know that in the way that God has created us, who people are, people don't believe it. 
And I don't say this to pick on the transgender community because I don't think that Jesus would do that. But I'm saying this because as Christians, we need to understand how the devil works, that he placed these deceitful ideas, he plants them in our minds, and it changes the way that we live. Maybe a more relatable example for us sitting here today is at the same time that the, the Me Too movement was happening about five, five or six years ago, when that was dominating the headlines, what was the number one movie trilogy that was dominating the headlines at the same time the Me Too movement was going on? Fifty Shades of Grey. A movie trilogy about male domination. And so on one hand, we pretend to care about making sure that we keep people safe. And we pretend to care about, you know, sexual assault and rape. It's all horrible. But then we have this movie trilogy that is terrible. And it depicts all these things very vividly. And it becomes the number one most profitable both movie series and book series in over a decade. The idea that we've been fed from the sexual revolution of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s is that you can just choose whatever you want to do, be free, we're all free, choose what you want to do, but it causes so much pain, so much turmoil in people's lives. And I believe that this is both our fault and it's the fault of the devil. And that's where we have to be careful when we talk about the devil. We can over-sensationalize everything where everything is spiritual warfare. Everything is the devil. But that's going too far on this side. But on this side, at the same time, we could say, man, I haven't even thought about the devil in like 10 years. We have to be careful not to go too far and blame everything on spiritual warfare and the devil. We need to take personal responsibility. But at the same time, we need to recognize that the devil has been implanting lies in our minds for a very, very long time. And our job as believers, what we are called to do is to put away those lies and believe the truth of the gospel. And this is what we are fasting for this week, is that we can expose the lies of the enemy in our lives and we can believe the truth of who God is, who we are, what sin is, what hell is, but also what redemption is, what is freedom Because we have to recognize that when we believe these lies, it changes the way that we live. But when we believe the truth, it also changes the way that we live. And it's really easy to look at the world and say, look how how bad the world is. Thank goodness that I'm in the four walls of this church. I have this good church community. But we are just as susceptible to lies as the rest of the world is. And I want to give some examples because I know many of us today, myself included, have been believing lies for a long time about who we are or about who God is. You know, maybe for you, it's you were berated by your dad as a kid, and now you've come to believe that you are only as good as you are successful at work. Maybe you're a teenage girl and you've declared yourself ugly and unworthy of love because you compare yourself to Instagram models. Maybe you're a teenage boy or maybe just a man in general declaring yourself disgusting and unworthy of redemption because you're in a constant fight against lust and pornography. It's the woman who was raised by a perfectionist mother and still believes, I have to be perfect to find peace. It's those who fear abandonment telling themselves, if I'm not perfect, I'm not worthy of love and commitment. And it's Christians, it's us, who declare people who disagree with me are my enemy. 
And maybe none of those lies ring true for you, but maybe in this time of fasting, God will expose a lie that you've been believing. You know, last year, or about two years ago, when the, when the pandemic first hit, I, I read this book that was one of the most famous books for men or young men to read, and I had never read it before, and I've read like tons of books. So I'm like, all right, I finally have to read this book, and it's called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. I don't know if you've ever read it before, but it's a phenomenal book. And I'm reading this, this chapter, and I, I underlined almost an entire page because it so struck a chord with me. But he's talking about, he's giving an example. I don't remember if, if it was the author or somebody else, but he's giving this example about people who try to be funny. And that's me, I'll be honest. <laughs> Some of my jokes are phenomenal, so you're welcome. But uh, people who try to be funny all the time, constantly, people who are overly sarcastic, who can never be serious, And usually they do this because there's some sort of wounding in their past. Maybe they're undersized. I don't know who's undersized, but (laughs) I don't know who's short and who looks like he's 17 versus 28, but that's not me. I can tell you that. But what he's talking about, people who have this this wounding, maybe they were never respected or they were never loved or they, they just saw things differently. And because of that, they tried to overcompensate. And he's using this example of people who try to be too funny. Like they're, they're not secure about who they are, so they try to be funny. They try to make jokes all the time and all the time so that people will finally love them and they won't hurt them because, oh, that's the funny guy. And I'm reading this chapter, I'm like, that's me. And I finally had a moment where I was like, man, I have come to believe a lie about myself that I'm not good enough. I will not be respected. I will not be loved unless I can make everybody laugh. And since then, I've recognized that this is the work of the enemy in my life over the past, I don't know how many years. And so maybe for you, you've been living a lie for a long time. You might not even know what it is yet, but this is why we want to take a time to pray and to fast so that we can expose these lies of the enemy and we can fill our lives with the truth of the scriptures, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who God is and the truth of who you are, that Jesus is the perfect Messiah. And he came not only to forgive you of your sins, and that's, I'm not saying that's a small thing, but Jesus came not only to forgive you of your sins, but here's what Colossians 2, 15 says. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's what we know. We talk about that all the time. Jesus has forgiven us of our sins, but here's what it ends with. And he disarmed the powers and the authorities, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by way of the cross. Who are these powers and authorities? Jesus is talking about the demons and the devil. He's not talking about the government. He's talking about demons and the devil. We have these spiritual powers, these rulers, these authorities that that influence, that play into our minds, that, that give us deceitful ideas. But Jesus has triumphed over them on the cross and not only beaten them and defeated them, but he has made a public spectacle of them. I don't know if you watched the Packers and the Vikings last week, but the Vikings got humiliated on primetime TV. This is what Satan does. This is what Jesus does to the devil. He humiliates him. And so we talk about, yes, the devil has this influence in our lives, but he has no power because of the way of Jesus, the perfect life that he lived and the perfect way that he died on the cross as our substitute. And he died not only for our sins, but to defeat the devil. 
I know a lot of people like to, com- like to compare Jesus to like Marvel movies. But when we watch Marvel movies, you know, because he's the one that comes out on top every time he's the winner. But when we watch these superhero movies, it's always such a close fight. Right, good and evil are coming against each other. They're fighting to the death. And after three hours of the same movie every other year, good finally wins. And that's not what happens between Jesus and the devil. In fact, we know that God created, if we go back to the Old Testament, God created Lucifer, who became the fallen angel because he had free will. God did not create evil, but he created Lucifer. And I want us to know that God will not be outlasted or outfought by his own creation. God always comes out on top. God is our victory. And this is why we fast to say the things of this world are not going to do it. I can't just change my habits. I can't just do good. I can't just change my behavior. I need to seek God, seek his presence because sin has overrun me. I've believed lies about myself. I need the power and the presence of God. And when I call this series fight, what I mean by this is God is the one who fights for us. When the Israelites were in their exodus and they're, they're at battles with each other or with, with other nations and they're, they're struggling, there's a, there's a verse in Exodus 20, 20, it says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. It is God who fights for us. It is Jesus who transforms and makes our minds new when we believe in the truth of the gospel. It is all about him. It's not about ourselves. So, With all that said, God is your victory. Jesus is your victory. And let's fast and let's pray so that we can seek his power and his presence. And so to start off this series, I wanted to start with communion. So if you have your communion elements, you can grab them now. They're a little finicky. Can't stand these things, I know. So (laughs) COVID, that's okay. We'll get through it. So feel free to get ready now. But Now, as we take communion today, we are not only recognizing Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and that he gave us a sacrifice for our sins, but we're also recognizing what Colossians 2.15 says, that Jesus triumphed over the devil by way of the cross. And so before we take communion together, I'd like for us to just take one minute of silent reflection and prayer. You can just do this on your own silently with yourself, but Thank God, maybe confess sins or thank God, whatever you need to do, but just thank God for his, for sending his son Jesus to die for us, not only become the substitute of our, for our sins and the sacrifice for us, but for triumphing over the devil, something that we could not do. Jesus has won the battle. He has won the victory. So spend a minute in reflection, and then I'll close this in prayer with communion afterwards.